You're listening to the Ayn Rand Institute Live podcast series. Building the Ayn Rand University with Tal Svani. Are you excited? I am. <laughs> so this is becoming a tradition that I'm really uh, starting to love. You know, I get the buzz of uh, talking about the state of ARI and where we are as an in- institute. And um, I just wanted to uh, remind everyone that last year the big announcement was this. The Ayn Rand University. So all you hear me talk about for the last year, if you were around me, was the Ayn Rand University and what it means and what we're doing and figuring out really what, what is it that we're building. So I thought instead of giving you an hour and a half of where we are, what are we building, all of that, where, what stage are we in, I thought of doing that in 10 seconds. So let me play 10 seconds that will explain exactly where we are in our day. That's it. This is where we are. Any questions? So, uh, you know, this is exactly where we are. Is this thing flying very, very fast yet? No. Is it exerting a lot of energy? Yes. Is it a critical part of the project where everything can fall apart and you can lose orientation very fast? Yes. Um, Are we making a lot of progress towards the moon and our mission? Not yet, but we're starting. So what I want to do in the next hour, 45 minutes, we'll see how long it takes, to really take you through everything that we've done last year, and I'm so proud of the amazing progress we we managed to do. I was concerned about this year because it's a year where you're starting to build things. So those long-term audacious projects usually look like something like this. It starts with an idea. You have an idea, you have a vision, and you start thinking about it, and you're building it, and you're building it, and you get other people excited to the point where like, wow, I know what I want to do, and you announce it. This is what I'm going to do. You make a decision, and you start going. What happens after that? Nothing. To the outside world, right? Behind the scenes, you work like crazy. You're climbing mountains, and you're pushing rocks, but nothing happens. And actually, this is what you know, uh, we're, we're experience this year, but experiencing this year. But I'll, I'll share with you everything that happens in the backstage before we're going to, um, the world is going to pay attention, hopefully, one day about you know, what it is that we're trying to do in our vision. So this presentation, the theme of this presentation, is that we're building, and we're building fast. You know, and, and, and so- before I play this, uh, I'll go back one second, because I want to say something before I, I, play, I play this uh, clip. I played that clip last year, and every time I play it, I understand how it is the essence of what it is that we're doing. This is where, where Ayn Rand defines the process of cultural change and the vehicles for cultural change, and this is at the heart of our strategy. So I want to play it 
to you again, if you haven't heard it before, to understand why we're doing what we're doing. You know, in, in several of your novels, you've made the point that leadership in any culture, not only in art, but in literature, morality, politics, and economics, that this sort of leadership must be provided by what you call the professional intellectuals. I wonder if you could tell me just what you mean by the term professional intellectuals. Who are they, for example? Uh, the professional intellectuals are, in effect, the field uh, agents of the army whose head or commander-in-chief is the philosopher. Mm -hmm. The philosopher, the man who defines the basic fundamental ideas of a culture, is the man who determines history. And professional intellectuals are all those whose professions deal with the humanities the studies of men as against the physical sciences. The professional intellectuals in all their various professions carry to the rest of the culture, to the rest of society, the philosophical premises, the ideas which have been defined by the philosopher. Therefore, they are the transmission belts. They are the ones who determine the goals, the values, and the direction of a culture. The goals, the values, and the direction of a, of a culture. And this is what we're building. We're building the capacity to have more people, more educated, going out to the culture and changing it. So let me summarize for you what we were able to do from last year to this year. So after the event, I actually took 11 people to Colorado, and we spent a long weekend together asking ourselves several questions. What, it is, what is it that we're building? What is the future of higher education? What is the purpose of higher education? What do we want, our, who are we targeting? What do we want them to learn? What do we, do we want our graduates to look like? What kind of, uh, what is success? How do we measure success? So it was a wonderful weekend and we had great discussions. And I want to summarize for you the gist of what I took from it that is completely new. Because we all know that, of course, what a school does is teaches you things. But what we realized is that on top of the fact that we know how to teach the best concepts in the world and for people to really understand the blueprint of how to live life, we need to add another layer. And that is the layer of action, the layer of experience. And take the world of thought and action and merge them together into an optimal educational experience that is designed for humans. And to make sure that we teach our students not only how to think, but also how to act and be successful in pursuing the goals. Not just, you know, understanding what a value is, but also achieving it successfully. I want to read to you uh, maybe only the first paragraph of what Leonard talks about in understanding objectivism, about the fact that there is a prevalent problem, even with the objectivist movement, of rationalism. He says, rationalism is a method of approach of ideas. Something is hiding here. Rationalism is a method of approach to ideas that more than any single other error wrecks intellectuals, particularly good intellectuals, because it operates by corrupting them by the best in them. So it's one thing to understand and recite what Ayn Rand said and to say, oh, I know exactly what she meant and that's the definition, but are you good in pursuing it? Can you say I'm successful more than someone in the street that doesn't have that blueprint in pursuing my values? Is the objectivist movement a collection of individual, individuals that leverage those ideas towards happiness? And happiness that is way above the average of any other community. Because if you want to be successful, we want to be attractive. And successful people are very attractive. So the idea is that 
we don't, know, we, we, we don't want just to inject ideas into people's minds. We want to show them how to take those ideas and operate with them. So I'll read you one more thing that I think is very optimistic from Leonard. He's saying obj objectivism should, be, should help you to enjoy life. It should help to make you glad that you're alive. And that is my sincere wish for you. Don't make objectivism into a hair shirt, a constant source of guilt, repression, condemnation, and gloom. Make it a means of your rational self-interest in the full sense. Let it make you happier, not more miserable, because that is the purpose. The purpose is to be happy, to leverage those ideas and not only understand them, but applying, apply them, uh, applying them. And there's a lot of knowledge, a lot of best practices on not just how, what those ideas are, but how to take them and then build your own life and your own soul. I started an initiative on my own called the Happiness Team, which I started as, as my own project. I sat down to write a nonfiction book, and when I was writing the outline for it, of my journey from the, the, you know, the first moment I held Atlas Shrugged to the moment where I call myself a really happy, fulfilled person, just another tech guy that you know, uh, woke up to, to his job every day to the point where I'm living my values and I know exactly who I am and what I love and what I respond to and I prioritize my galaxy of values very consciously um, and building my soul in the process. Um, I realized that there is a lot that I can share and so I called up on Facebook and the six people, I don't know if all of them are here, in the first happiness team, we had a blast because we all came armed with the ideas and we practiced together how to, how to put them into action. So what I do in the happiness team, and this is why I'm so excited about this, is that we go through a whole pr process of understanding. When I say me, who do I mean? What is the answer to the question, who are you? And what we, we realize is that the answer to the question, who you are, is basically the things you respond to. There's no other way for me to know who's behind those highs other than what you respond to. And then we uh, go through exercise after exercise and many, many tools to answer the question, what do you respond to? What are your values? Start to map all the values in different domains in life. Um, a new thing that, uh, a, a term that I came up with is value themes in your life that are really, like I'm all in on uh, being on stage and communicating ideas or abstract or, or competitive individual sports. I don't know, that's a theme in my life. And then after you do all that and do a lot of observation, doing a lot of analysis of types of values in different domains like career and relationships and uh, health and rejuvenation and wealth creation that could be connected to career but not necessarily. A lot of people say, oh, if I have to make money doing the... No, you don't. There, there are a lot of things that we uh, understand together. And then the thing where really the rubber meets the road is when we get to the commitment stage and say, okay, what is the one thing that you want to take and prove to yourself that you can change or you can achieve? And then we become like a, an accountability team together helping you achieve what we call the spotlight value. So we spend a lot of time planning, not just externally, but emotionally. I know that I'll, I'll hit obstacles. I know that it'll be rough, and I'm preparing myself for it. I'm doing obstacle planning. When I hit that obstacle, this is the strategy I'm going to apply. So a lot of planning in the commitment stage and then in the monitoring and pursuit is like, let's go. Now we're going. We're not thinking and rethinking, should I be doing this? No, you said that's what you want to do. You proved to everyone, including yourself, that this is what you want. 
Now we're in execution mode, which is something that you need to learn. I don't know if you heard the term bias for action in the Silicon Valley we use it all the time. It's like, don't get stuck. Go, 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 because you'll learn much more and much faster from applying yourself in reality and learning from it than just conceptualizing, sitting on your butt uh, on the sofa, imagining, should I be doing it? Or maybe I'll do it this way or that way. Should I you know, uh, make that call to that person or not? Just do it. And so we learn a lot, and the reason why it's pursuit and monitoring, because in that process, this is where all of your emotions arise. It's like, hey, what are you doing? You know, we're not ready for this. So dealing with emotions. In a way, I will summarize all of it as living the ideas. And I want to take you through uh, some more uh, um, ideas and concepts to understand what we're kind of building in and baking into the uh, educational experience that we call the Ayn Rand University. Remember, when Ayn Rand says, or defines value, she says value is that which one acts to gain or keep. And the action, and knowing how to act and apply yourself is a big part of it. Knowing how to set goals, knowing how to prepare yourself mentally and physically and emotionally to the pursuit of a, an audacious goal, a, you know, changing of a relationship, um, getting on a, a new hobby, going to that trip you want, all, those are tough things. It's not easy. Um, how to overcome obstacles? How to you know, blast through a wall that is in front of you? How do you do that? Um, how to deal with emotions? How to manage your emotions while you're doing all of that? To summarize all of it, and I love this picture, is we're trying to build an experience that really gives you a foundation for life or the foundations for life, not just the knowledge, but much more than that. Okay, so let me break it up or, um, into what uh, we see the Ayn Rand University being, uh, what, what will comprise the Ayn Rand University. So there are three pillars that we are now working on. The first one is knowledge. We've been doing that for 20 years, 35 years, actually from the first day we were established. We're educators. That's what we do. We teach. And you'll hear the amazing expansion that we're doing there. But there's two, two more pillars that we're going to uh, focus on. One is guidance, and the other one is experience. And around ARU, we're going to build three networks. One of intellectuals and teachers that we already have, and it's growing. The second one is a network of businesses who are going to uh, allow our students to intern and work part-time and maybe full-time. And uh, we're already talking to, by the way, hundreds of businesses around the objectivist movement that are dying to hire top talent. And you can imagine the average intellect and, and you know, uh, potential of an ARU student. I would hire them every, every day, any day. And the third one is a network of mentors, people who have subject matter expertise that we connect students to and say, okay, you love the sciences, you want to build a plane, you want to run a startup company, and you want to be an intellectual. Uh, we have people that have already succeeded in doing this. We want to leverage the community in a much more efficient and effective way, and those are the three uh, networks we're going to build. Okay, so I want to start by not talking about the product, but the marketing of the product. We always forget that you never hear about those huge projects and products that nobody ever launched, what we call the white elephants, right? You don't want to build a project that looks like that. Right? So what I don't want to do is build the best 
humanities school in the world, the best philosophy school in the world, and then have two people show up every day. So the reason why I decided to start with marketing, because I think it's a huge challenge that sometimes we just forget, oh, I'll build a product and everybody will come and use it. It doesn't work this way, and I, I think we can learn a lot, a, a lot about that. So we've made a lot of progress since we had to get together in a room and listen to Leonard Peikoff's from, from tapes, and, uh, or walking around with our Walkman and our cassettes. I even heard stories that people were hanging uh, out in libraries, waiting for other people to approach the Ayn Rand uh, bookshelf to make friends, right? Or they would write their phone number in the book, saying, please, if you're reading this book and you like it, call this number. So we don't have to do this anymore, right? Actually, I heard from Boaz that he actually, when he did his... Uh, after the army tour in, in Europe, he rented a, a, a van and printed on it, like, who is John Galt, with a big question mark. And every day there were a couple of notes waiting for him on the, wind, uh, on the windshield. So, Boz was very, is, is very creative, by the way. Um, so, you don't have to do it anymore, right? We made huge progress. Today, if you discover Ayn Rand, there's nothing standing between you and her as far as her ideas. You can download an app. You can go to YouTube, you got everything for free. You got uh, two talks a week on Clubhouse. You, I, for the older people in the room, I apologize, but there's this thing called Discord. And uh, you can go on any server and ask the intellectuals any question. So it's much easier than ever before. But the question still remains. How do we get more people to read Ayn Rand or to be aware that she has this amazing system of ideas to offer? How do we get more people to read Ayn Rand? So I want to start with the first aspect, which we call growth. And uh, like uh, never before, I'm going to uh, share the stage with three amazing people that helped me build this product. And the first one is going to be Aaron Fried, the director of growth of ARU. Welcome, Aaron. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me all right? All right, so I'm Aaron Fried, and basically my job is to bring the, new, the future student body to Ayn Rand University. What does that mean? It means we need to get a lot of people, and they need to be the kind of people who are worthy of being students at a university named after Ayn Rand. So I wanna also tell you a little bit about how I got here. Most of you don't know me. So Tal had reached out to me a little over a year ago because I was a student in the OAC, and we talked a little bit about my background I had helped out at startups, an education company, an online school that had dozens of students. I helped them get to hundreds of students. I founded my own software company and was thinking at the time about creating an online university around the humanities. Tal convinced me that this was the place to do it. So we had a bunch of conversations about how do people get to OAC, the Objectivist Academic Center, which is the progenitor to ARU. And it looked a lot like this, it's a path a narrow winding path through the forest. Only a trickle of people get through here, one at a time, and we kind of hope at the end that somebody will come out. It's kind of like waiting at the library stacks for someone to get an Ayn Rand book. And we'll come to this later, but my job is obviously to grow the amount of people coming through. So what do we do? We wait at the end, we wait at OAC, and we ask people, how did you get here? How did you find out about Ayn Rand and then how did you end up eventually enrolling in OAC? And here's what they told us. Well, 
usually it's someone important in their life, gave them a book. I know that you'll like this book. Read it. And then they read it and it changes their life. Many of you have had that experience. Some people just, they were listening to Rush. They saw a reference to Ayn Rand or heard about it. They looked her up. Some people heard about Rand on YouTube. That was me. I saw the Donahue interview where she's in the red dress. Other people saw the Mike Wallace interview, right? This is probably sounding familiar to a lot of you. Some people read it in class in the Free Books for Teachers program. Some people participated in the essay contest. Maybe they just you know, wanted $25,000 and then they liked the book. Um, others were on YouTube listening to the Iran Brook Show. This is a super common one. Everyone listens to Iran. Uh, but as these things, all these different pieces end up converging in a common set of experiences, which is reading Ayn Rand's core works, The Fountainhead, Atlas Shrugged, and all of the nonfiction. But after people read that, it diverges yet again. They listen to her lectures. They listen to Dr. Peacock's courses on the app or on whatever those tape things were. And uh, <laughs> sometimes they get together and they talk in groups. Uh, and then the, the paths start to come back together. People come to, uh, they come to the institute, they come to the app, the conferences, and eventually they enroll in OAC. So th this should be obvious what we need to do here, right? You just connect the dots. So this is our marketing plan. Yeah. Yeah, this is the intrinsically correct path to learn about objectivism. So anyway, we, uh, we've done a little bit more thinking and realized this probably won't work. <laughs> and essentially, you need to essentialize, right? We need to think about the different stages of people's development, first from discovering Rand eventually to becoming a committed student, the kind of person who would be sitting next to you here at Ocon today. So we named each of these stages. At the very top of this funnel, you have awareness. Someone first learns about Ayn Rand. Then they start becoming a Rand reader. You've all had the experience where you said, hey, there's a philosophy here. I'd like to learn about that. You start self-studying. You start consuming everything you can about Ayn Rand and her ideas. And then you engage. You start coming to conferences, you start meeting people, you get involved, and then eventually you get committed to the ideas. You really consider yourself part of the movement or even just someone who considers it a responsibility to yourself to learn these ideas. But there are a lot of people out there who are becoming aware of Rand, a lot of people who are trying to read her books. How do we actually make this flow work with all the different paths that people can take? Let's talk a little bit about that. So this is really a technology problem. This is something we haven't been able to do, uh, but over the last year since we started the ARU project, we've spent an incredible amount of time making sure that every single piece of our content, every one of the interactions that any student can have with us is synchronized into a central database. And this means if someone submits a contest, um, like an Atlas Shrugged essay contest, essay, um, the moment they submit it, we know it right away. And we can, instead of waiting nine months to grade it, we can invite them to a reading group immediately. Uh, same with, with lectures on the app. If they finish a lecture, what's the next best lecture, right? And I wanna, I wanna just point someone out. Vinnie Freire over here is the architect of this whole system. He's done an excellent job.
It works really well, you'll see in a minute. Anyway, so we're gonna talk about some of the projects that this system has enabled. So the first step we started last year, some of you remember in Tal's talk that the program grew. Uh, we started with what every good growth marketer should start with. You harvest your low-hanging fruit, right? So we wanted to find the most engaged students with the Ayn Rand Institute's programs and convince them, hey, enroll in Ayn Rand University. In other words, we got good at sales. And what happened from that, we doubled the program last year, and we have a goal now of doubling again this year. Applications are open, by the way. Uh, but the problem is we've harvested all the low-hanging fruit. What do you do then? Well, you have to make more. You have to work your way up the funnel. So what we're working on now is creating more and more educational programs and connecting them where people first, you know, they would be lonely. They would write an essay. They would listen to the books or listen to audio books, listen to lectures, and they wouldn't know anyone else. Well, now we have reading groups, right? So this is a way of bridging people from being a Rand reader with the nonfiction or with the fiction and then getting them into the nonfiction. And this is a brand new program. It's grown at a great rate. And I want to show you a little bit about this. So this is something we started back in October, the first batch of reading groups, only 55 people. Now, now we're looking at 195 signups. The best thing about this, a lot of that 195 number, and I know some of you are in here, it's people who are taking two, even three reading groups. And that's because they're excited, right? They've been reading Ayn Rand alone for months, years. They don't know anyone. And here's an opportunity, log on to Zoom and talk and ask questions and learn more about these ideas with a community. And the person behind making these numbers go up is Jen Manjaras. I think you're over there, I saw you. Good job. And these are really exciting. And actually a lot of, a lot of people in these groups have come out to this conference. But that's not gonna be enough to get to a great university either. We need to go even further up the funnel. We need to create many, many more readers of RAND. And this is where the biggest challenge lies. So we've been thinking about this for a very long time. You know there are, there's a long history at the Ayn Rand Institute of selling, out, selling books or giving away books. And this is our latest attempt. What we're doing is we're getting much better at advertising, just social advertising with these platforms that you see and inviting people to order a free book. So this is where we started actually pushing these ads out and you can kind of see there's a nice little inflection point. Things have started growing rapidly and uh, I'm gonna call someone else out. He's hiding in the corner, I think. Jonathan Bradich, where are you? There he is, that corner, yeah. So this is, this is somebody who Anytime there's a book sent, anytime there's an essay contest submitted, the whole reason those programs work, it largely revolves around that guy. So thanks, Jonathan. And let's get back to the, to the marketing campaign here. So what you can see is a piece of rapid growth. But what really matters here is that this is something that scales and scales predictably. We know the price of bringing a new Atlas Shrug reader. Can you guess what it is? It's <laughs> We pay, it's very simple. We put this much money into a social media campaign and one Atlas Shrug reader comes out. Money in, reader's out. Pretty clean. 
So if you put it all together, this whole funnel, you get the idea of the very first draft, the first set of projects that bring people from awareness of Ayn Rand, first discovering her, all the way to becoming committed enough to enroll in Ayn Rand University. And this is the foundation on top of which we're going to build massive growth into the future, growth that looks like this, where we'll be aiming to double for many years into the future as we have. And what we're planning to do is take that trail from before and not have an empty highway, but a bustling fossil future type highway where, <laughs> where just many people are discovering Rand, many people are choosing to learn more about her. And I'm, I'm incredibly excited to be working on this. We have a great team, uh, a great mission, and I'm gonna get out of the way as soon as I can because you're about to hear about the fact that we have a great product on the way as well. So thank you all. That was Aaron Fried, our uh, director of growth, and he's responsible to bring many, many more students towards. Again, thank you, Aaron. Amazing. Okay, the second thing, the next thing I want to uh, focus on is not the academics themselves. We'll go with that last. I want to talk about the new facets of uh, the Ayn Rand University and to talk about guidance and experience. I want to uh, invite, there was a joke, we call it Donnie Ive. No, it's not Donnie Ive, it's Don Watkins, the Director of Coaching and Mentorship for the Ayn Rand University. All right, I'm Don, and um, in 2006, one of the greatest things that I could have ever asked to happen happened in my life when I was invited to come work at ARI to become an objectivist intellectual. And for the first few years, most of what I did was learn how hard it is to become an objectivist intellectual, build up the tools and abilities that would allow me to talk about objectivist ideas in a true, impactful way. And most of that success I attribute to the fact that I got personalized feedback and mentorship from people like Yaron Brook, Ankar Gatte, Keith Lockich, Alain Journo. Now, in, two, in 2017, I left ARI to do a whole bunch of things, but I always stayed very connected to the Institute because I'm so passionate about what it is they do. And I had the good fortune to be one of the people invited to that Colorado trip that Tal mentioned. And one, as we were thinking about what is the future of ARU going to look like, I think we all had this recognition that personalization is such a powerful tool for learning and for success. And so the question was, how do you create personalization at scale? And the idea that basically came out of this was, what if every single student had access to a coach they were meeting with one-on-one -on -one to get the most out of the program and indeed the most out of their life. And um, there was a lot of buzz in the room about it and I remember Tal though at a certain point said, guys, this is great, but who am I gonna get to build this? And he looked kind of almost irritated. He's like, are you gonna build it? And I looked at him and I remember the look of shock as I said, heck yeah. <laughs> and so I've been thrilled to be able to return to ARI full time 
and help build our coaching and mentorship program. And I want to tell you a little bit about what the vision is and a little bit about what we've done so far. So since April, I've been working with 14 of our students in a pilot program where what we do is we sit down and define goals, learning goals, career goals, life goals, and then meet regularly in order to make the best progress towards them that we can. Some of our students, for example, are, want to get more out of their classes. And so we can talk about, like, all right, what's your note-taking system like? Like, how are you trying to process the notes? How are you preparing for class? How are you um, making sure that you're getting the maximum feedback from office hours that our faculty holds? <clears throat> Some of our students are really focused on, like, communication and writing projects they're excited about. And so they'll come to me and we'll kind of brainstorm and get feedback on whatever they're working on. One of our students, for example, um, was trying to grow her Twitter following. With a few tweaks, we were able to triple it in a matter of a few weeks. Some of our students, many of our students are really focused on what kind of career do I want and how do I make as much progress towards it as quickly as possible. One of our students, for example, was about to go in for a job interview at a really well-respected finance company and face the problem of, I'm gonna be asked about ESG investing, and if you guys don't know, it's this new trend that's basically egalitarianism and environmentalism applied to investing. And we discussed, how can you talk about that issue with integrity without turning your job interview into a philosophic contentious debate? And as a result, I think the interview went really spectacularly from what I've heard. Um, and then all of us are facing challenges in trying to live by a philosophy, live by a radical philosophy, and so, a lot of what we'll work on is like, like how do I maintain relationships with my parents in the face of the kind of conflicts that we're dealing with? How do I just live a moral way of life without falling into the kind of rationalistic traps that Tao was talking about? The core idea here is not that they're sitting down and get lectured at by Don every day. The real essence of coaching is guiding people in the act of self-creation. So that's the core of what we're building. I'm starting to expand the team. I think Amanda Maxim was our first hire. I think she is here. Amanda, hi. And so the aim is that ultimately every Ayn Rand University student is going to get that one-on-one -on -one attention that really skyrockets your ability to learn and live a philosophy. But of course, as Tal talked about, we have the stress on action as well. And so part of what you need to act to build a kind of career that you love is you need more than just kind of a coach. You also need subject matter experts. You need people who, you know, if somebody wants advice on writing, I can give them advice on writing. But if I have a student who wants to, like, do philosophy of science, they need to be talking to a philosopher who specializes in philosophy of science. Or if they want to be at the cutting edge of AI, they need to be talking to somebody in AI. And so we are building a network of mentors who can, across the fields that our students are focused on, provide them with that kind of specialized subject matter, uh, matter guidance. Now, of course, that's all about kind of how do I make progress towards my career, but often the hardest step on the ladder to success is that first one. How do you get that first opportunity? How do you jump in and sample something that you think you might be excited to do. And that's why we are building this network of businesses who can provide these opportunities. And as Tal mentioned, these people are so excited because 
it's so rare that you get access to people who are ambitious, thoughtful, and deeply moral. The results so far have been better than I could have expected. So I'm going to give you just a quick testimonial from one of our students. This is Brandon Lindsay. He's a historian, really passionate about how do I tell the stories of history in a way to convey these ideas. And here's uh, his comments on our work together. Hello, everyone. I'd like to talk about my experience in Ayn Rand University's mentoring program. In just a few short weeks, I've received tremendous value from the program and from my meetings with Don Watkins. These sessions have enabled me to think more clearly about my goals, my central purpose, and how to implement both in my daily life. Equipped with these insightful lessons gained from one-on-one -on -one mentoring, I am closer than ever to achieving my childhood aspirations. As someone who undertakes ambitious long-term projects, the mentorship program has helped me develop specific goals that can be achieved in a reasonable time frame. And along the way, I've received invaluable feedback to further improve what I'm working on. For instance, this fall, I'll be teaching a course on the history of Connecticut, an undertaking made all the better thanks to my one-on-one -on -one sessions. I have no doubt that future students will benefit from this program as I have. And special thanks goes to the Ayn Rand University for their tireless support and funding of incredible programs like this one. Thank you. For those of you who were at my talk this morning, one point I mentioned was that my personal mission in life is to help people who share the ideas and values that I care about live great lives and have impactful careers. And so this is why I'm so thrilled to be in this position because I get to wake up every day thinking about how to give our amazing students not just the knowledge they need to survive, but all of the foundations for life. Thank you. Don Ai. Don Watkins. <laughs> Don, thank you very much. And I uh, can't be more thrilled to have Don lead this uh, new experimental part of, of building ARU. I think it's going to be phenomenal and a, a differentiator in what the kind of uh, educational experience we are offering versus any other uh, educational uh, opportunity that people that age have. Um, I want to talk about knowledge. So we're teaching, we're famous for teaching philosophy and teaching objectivism for years and years and years. The world's leading uh, experts on objectivism uh, are teaching generation after generation, um, you know, a deep dive into the, into the philosophy. But we asked ourselves, is that enough? Do our, the future students need to know more as a foundation for life rather than just, if you say just, of course, objectivism and, and, and philosophy at large? Do we need to give them more foundational knowledge for them to succeed and thrive? And in order to tell you a bit about the amazing expansion that we are going through in our knowledge domain, I want to invite Jeff Shilaba, our Director of Operation and Curriculum Development. Thank you, Tal. So as Director of Operations at ARU, I'm responsible for the ARU product and the participant experience. Uh, I know many of you. I'm a graduate of the OAC and I've been at ARI for nearly 14 years now. 
I've always been involved in running uh, our educational programs. And I'm really passionate about this area because I didn't discover Ayn Rand until after college. And in my work, I get to help ensure that students discover her much sooner than I did. Uh, so in our mentorship program, Don talked about always helping students to develop strong foundations in their personal lives. My job is to facilitate a curriculum that gives students the foundations of knowledge they need for a fulfilling life. And you know, we've talked a lot about this question this year, and you know, we realized that, well, such a curriculum, it's rooted in the types of courses that have been the core of our education for decades. And that begins with courses in philosophy uh, and the subject of philosophy. You know, such courses explore ancient and contemporary thinkers uh, and how objectivism is distinct in the history of the field. And of course, ARU offers courses on objectivism uh, that foster a deep, uh, deep knowledge of Rand's radical system and a first-handed understanding of her ideas. The world's best experts in objectivism are at ARI or are closely connected to the Institute. Uh, teaching objectivism is what ARI will always do, and it remains the heart of the ARU curriculum. Um, and of course, we'll also continue to teach courses in, uh, in writing and thinking methodology that improve students' abilities to communicate philosophical ideas to others, especially courses in writing and thinking methodology. Excuse me. Uh, but with ARU, we're expanding beyond these areas that have been our traditional focus and into other fields that are pillars of human knowledge. If you don't know these pillars, by the way, you can find them at the National Arboretum here in Washington, D.C. So what fields are we expanding into? Well, this is a, the following list is not exhaustive. It's just a, an initial set of disciplines that we're, we're focused on. We started with the literature, the physical sciences, law and government, work and business, history, economics, and psychology. So we'll have courses in some of these domains starting this year and in all of them in time. We'll also be expanding into other disciplines. And our goal is not to offer a complete college level curriculum in each of these subjects. Traditional universities will still be the place for that. What ARU will offer is foundational courses that introduce these essential subjects from the unique framework provided by objectivism. The ARU curriculum is also varied with different courses on offer each year uh, in the various disciplines. And an ARU student, you can only take one course per quarter, but we're building a structure that allows a student to take four, even five courses per quarter. So you could, you, we could have students taking up to 20 quarters of courses in a year with us. It's a flexible, expandable education that allows students to maximize the time that they have available to learn with. And as always, thanks to our donors, many of you are in this room, uh, tuition scholarships are available for our students. So cost need not be a deterrent to a student enrolling or in taking as many courses as they can. Uh, at this point, you may be asking, well, who's teaching all this content? Who's going to teach all the students that Aaron is bringing in and Don is mentoring? And uh, that starts with our full-time ARI, ARI faculty, who you all know and are well familiar with. We're always looking to expand this group and they'll continue to teach the majority of ARU's courses, especially in philosophy and communication. 
We'll also need a lot of support from teaching assistants and junior faculty, such as this year's cohort that you see on screen. So we've been systematizing the training and development of junior intellectuals through advanced ARU courses uh, and writing, speaking, and philosophy. We've also brought in more junior fellows to ARI than ever before and are continuing to expand that program. Uh, we've also made teacher training a major component of it. So we had our junior fellows uh, teaching, uh, being teaching assistants in the OAC this year in ARU courses, and we'll continue to do that to develop future educators. But to create a curriculum with the breadth that we're striving for, we need to go beyond uh, the intellectuals we have on staff at ARI. So we're leveraging the expertise that exists in the objectivist community and inviting leading objectivist thinkers in various fields to teach ARU courses, uh, as well as on ARI's board. So on screen are some of the experts who will be teaching courses this year or who are excited to do so in the future. And you'll recognize all of them as speakers at OCON. And I just stress, this is just the initial batch uh, of intellectuals we've spoken with. We'll continue to, to speak with others and to expand into other disciplines as we build out the curriculum. Now, on that note, note I'll recall this image uh, from the beginning of the pre presentation where we are still in building mode. mode. What you're seeing here is just the beginning. Uh, so you know, the design is in place and the foundations of ARU, we've talked a lot about foundations. Well, the foundations of ARU are in place and we're steadily progressing towards a spectacular final product. I've been a lot involved in a lot of educational programs, and this is really the most ambitious project that uh, I've taken part in. It's thrilling to be a part of the team, and uh, yeah, super happy for what's to come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thanks, Jeff. And um, we wanted to concretize um, the progress somehow. So uh, I was you know, asking the team, what are we going to do? We need the famous drum roll, remember? Can you uh, give me a drum roll? Is there a drum roll? Yes. Because we have, we have to announce something. We have to show you some progress. So we thought, what will, what will happen? OK, here it is. Reach out uh, below your chair. There's something sticking to the bottom of the chair. See what you have there. Okay? Okay, okay, okay. What does it say? Who opened it already? Who opened it? Look at what's written. Don't open it. <laughs> it's highly confidential. It even has the registered trademark. You don't open it. Okay, so really to concretize the amazing progress that we're making, now you can open it. <laughs> I'll try to open mine and see what's inside. So ladies and gentlemen, this is a 2022-2023 course catalog for the Einstein University. Bigger and better than ever. And you can imagine how much more goes into building all of that. So I want to take you through this. You don't have to do it by yourself. So well, let's go through the catalog together. And Jeff will help me here, because there's a lot to go through. Uh, so, so I'll go through the courses really quickly, telling you a little bit about it, what it is. Now, here's the, here's the deal. If some of you are very, very excited to take a course, the most animated person about how great that course is might get a free ticket to that course, and it's a $500 ticket, so if, you, if you're really excited, make some noise. 
So I'm going to go through the courses. If you really want to take it, make some noise. So the first one, we're creating a new course. I'm super excited about this course taught by Onkar Gatte called um, Objectivism Through Ayn Rand's Fiction. And we're going to go through Atlas Shrugged and the Fountainhead and really a new way of teaching philosophy and objectivism through the literature itself. Excited? Yeah? Someone wants to take it? I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Who wants to take it? You want to take it? Okay. You got a free, a free uh, ticket to the course. Great. Go to Aaron later. He'll register you. Okay. Second course. Uh, this is philosophical skills, and it's going to be taught by all of our intellectuals, really teaching philosophical arguments, big questions in philosophy, and the objectivist pr perspective and answers to it. Uh, really, it's going to take all of our PhD in philosophy to, uh, to cover that, that course, a really exciting course. The next course is going to be Leonard Peikoff's Eight Great Plays. Who, who listened to that course? Anyone listen to that course? Of course. One of the best courses ever. And what we're going to do is we're going to listen to, well, first read those plays. So if you didn't read those plays of uh, Antigone and Cyrano, an enemy of the people, all of those amazing masterpieces of, of literature and, and, and theater, then we're going to read it together. And we're going to listen to Leonard's lectures, and you're going to have discussions with our faculty to take it through all of that course. So the next course is Foundations of Physical Science that uh, Keith is going to, to teach. It's really the, how do we know, you know, how do we understand the most basic you know, things, the laws of physics? How do they come about? What gives rise to the, to the laws of physics? Really give you the foundation. If you're not, and it, we don't require any prior knowledge in physics or any sciences. It's really open to everyone. So it's going to be an introductory course to, uh, to physical sciences, and specifically motion and gravitation. The next course is going to be a legal system as an intellectual achievement. Oh, who's, who's excited? But this one or the previous one? This one? Okay, well, so there's going to be a competition at the end of it. Let me just describe it. Okay, a legal system as an intellectual achievement by Adam Ossoff. Woo! Uh, so who wants to take it? Okay, you got it. You got it. He stood up first. You, you, you got a free ticket. Awesome. Um, so uh, this is going to be great, and um, I don't have to sell this course, right? It sells I think it, it sells, sells, sounds like right? it sells so I won't tell you what it's about. You'll figure it out. Okay, the next one <laughs> is Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, uh, investigating the mind of a murderer by our own Shoshana Milgram. Uh, there's an Ayn Rand quote that says, Dostoevsky gives me the feeling of entering a chamber of horrors, but with a powerful guide. So Shoshana is going to guide you through this chamber of horrors of Dostoevsky. Now it's really a masterpiece, and we're going to discover that together in that course. The next one is going to be a course that uh, I'm privileged to do it together with Ankar. We uh, came up with the idea of how do we marry the, idea, the, the, the power of philosophy but also the principles of success in applying it in the, in the work environment and business. So we're going to do it together. It's going to have um, numerous uh, successful entrepreneurs and, and people from all fields uh, giving lec um, you know, guest lectures with us and us talking about the importance of work and all of the principles of successful business making. Um, so this is the next one. And, oh, you want to take it? 
Great, you got it. You got it. Go to Aaron after that, okay? Awesome. Good. Now I, was, I need to sell myself as well, right? I forgot about that. Um, okay, next one is who wants to take a course with Lisa Van Damme on oh, 93? No, yeah, for that you need to. Come on, more. Some, something more. Come on. Who wants it? No? Yeah? You got it. Yeah, more excitement over there. Awesome. So uh, Lisa is going to take us uh, through um, 93, uh, you know, and you go, the, the, the author that uh, Ayn Rand called the greatest novelist in the world of liter literature. So that's going to be exciting. The next course is going to be Objectivist Seminar Foundations Year 2. And the reason why it's Year 2, this is the, really the flagship course where we're going deeper into objectivist epistemology, ethics, and politics. Uh, we're doing that now in year uh, two because year one is going to be objectivism through uh, literature. So that is going to remain our core flagship course. The next one is going to be uh, Introduction to Writing with Keith Lockage. If you haven't taken that course, doesn't matter if it's, uh, yes, yes, it deserves a lot of applause. Um, it's one of the best ed educational experiences I went through in the sense that I thought I knew how to write, but then I didn't. Um, because Keith asked me to tell you, okay, what are you going to write about? Just the subject and the theme, and then write it down, and then I, I, I don't know how to do it in a rational, stru structured way. It's really a course in thinking, not just the writing. So we're going to offer that. Who's the auditor who wants to take this course? An auditor. An auditor. You got it. You, she said, wait. <laughs> no, no, she was closer. I'm sorry. I heard her first. You got a, an auditor place in that course. Okay, and uh, next one, we're going to do intermediate writing. This is for people who took the, the, the basic writing, and Keith is going to continue to work with people who are improving their writing skills. And um, we're going to have an oral communication workshop with a master, Yaron Brook. So who wants a course of learning how to speak? Okay, Robertus, I see you. Okay, you want it? You got it. You got it. Okay, I see you want to be a public speaker, so uh, awesome. Great, so Yaron is going to have you write something and then present it, and then he's going to crucify you. <laughs> so, no, seriously, this is great, and he's going to do it with other faculty. Um, the next course we're introducing is going to be the Road to Critical Race Theory. We've done that course last year. It was a success. Who wants to learn with Nikos of the... Okay. You're interested? Awesome. All of you guys go to Aaron after that. He's going to register you to the courses. Uh, really, you know, what gave rise to critical race theory and uh, the intellectual movements that really paved the way for it. And the next one is going to be Thomas Aquinas. I don't want to say, where is, where is Robert? He will kill me if I say it wrong. Will I say Summa Contra Gentiles? Is that okay? Okay, awesome. So I don't know if you heard his lecture today. I, I wasn't there, but I heard it was amazing. And we're going to, this is, this is an example of how we're going to go deeper and deeper into different thinkers and people who really want to specialize in understanding philosophy. Uh, this is an advanced course, so this has prerequisites. But who's interested in Aquinas? Who's interested in Aquinas? Brandon, are you interested in Aquinas? I see another hand over there. I think Brandon is more excited. Come on, Jonathan, I expected more. Okay. So, Ben, um, okay, persuasion mastery. Have you, who, who was there in Don's talk this morning? Who woke up? Okay, how was it? 
Was it amazing? I thought it was amazing. What? You, oh, that's how you do it. You, that's, that's it. Okay, you got it. <laughs> half price? Oh, okay, half price. Okay, you got it. Okay, so, and last but not least, I just want to give you one example of what we call a 5,000 course. So you see all those courses that are going from 1,000 to 5,000 according to the prerequisite. Uh, our junior fellows, our advanced uh, faculty are going through advanced writing and editing. This is where Ilan comes in, and uh, they're trying to write for something like New Ideal. This is really the highest level of, of writing and editing that we go through. Yeah, but if, so, you're, uh, yes. if you're an advanced student of objectivism and you're pursuing an uh, intellectual career, do you talk with me or with some of the faculty at ARI about our Junior Fellows Program? If you're in that program, you can take this course along with a lot of other uh, training opportunities for junior intellectuals. Yeah, don't assume you don't qualify. Ask us if you qualify. If you have other experience that is relevant, we'll talk to you about it. So uh, I asked the team, okay, so who's going to sell all of that? And they all looked at me. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to be the salesperson here. You're asking yourself, what, what, what is that? You know, what do I do with this? So if you're getting excited about learning one of those courses, and again, it's for everyone. This is an open university, not just for uh, young people who are on their way to become you know, professional intellectuals. If you want to take the courses, please help us, because it helps with tuition. It helps with the experience of, of people who are, uh, understand objectivism and have, have the life experience. It makes all of those discussions during the uh, courses much deeper and better. So I urge everyone watching at home and here, doesn't matter what age you are, the level of exposure to objectivism, we want you in those courses. You'll learn a lot. It's so much fun to take them as auditors or as graded students. You decide. By the way, it's open to everyone. If you are 75 years old and you want to take it as a graded student, talk to us, okay? So it's not just open as an auditor. What do you have to do? Just scan the codes and the registration is open. The team has worked tirelessly. You saw, I don't know, you see them working at, even in the lobby, they opened a workshop. And so the registration is open, you can take it. Uh, I want to give you the, uh, the, the, the details. So option one, if you really want to help us and you want to take as kind of an all-you-can-eat year with us for $5,000, you can really take any course you want. And that's option one. The second option is if you want to a la carte, take one course at a time, it's $500 per course per quarter. There are courses that are multiple quarters. They'll, they'll you know, if it's two quarters, they'll cost $1,000. But this is really introductory prices that we're offering to expose as many people as possible to our courses. Because remember, this is the best university in the world, as far as I'm concerned. So we're pretty cheap to begin with. And just to motivate you, we're going we're gonna to give a 20% discount to anyone who makes a decision during o Ocon. If you want to have an all-you-can-eat experience with us next year that starts, uh, Jeff, in October, I think, or October, then it's for $4,000 during Ocon. So I really um, invite you to come and uh, help us grow this and uh, make it a, a better uh, product than ever by giving us feedback as you take it. And we're going to continue to push forward really, really hard. This is what I had to say about the Ayn Rand University. So thank you very much for listening to it. I'm, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I want a couple of things to, to finish with. First, 
as I started and I, I quoted Leonard, this is all, all for one thing. And objectivism is to guide you towards happiness. And what this is becoming a narrative with everything we're thinking about. This is to make this community, this movement, a movement of happy, fulfilled people who are leveraging Rand's ideas and blueprint towards a better life. And our mission is to create the educational experience, not just for young people, but older people, uh, wherever you are in your life, to understand the ideas better and live them better. So, and one last thing, I want to um, offer you an, a, an, a unique experience next year. The unique experience is going to be what I call the European Ocon. So if you didn't make plans for next year, I want to invite you to the next Ayn Rand conference in Europe because it's going to be quite unique. So let me show you where we're going to do it. Athens. It's supposed to show you a picture of Athens, but here he is. He came. He came anyway. <laughs> okay, so we're going to do the Iran conference uh, next year in Athens, and I brought the Athenian, you say, right, to convince you to come. And what I want to say is it's not just a conference. We're going to plan to do much more than that. So it's going to be a unique experience because don't think of it as a conference where we will be inside four walls. The whole of Athens is going to be our conference venue. We are, going, we are going to walk on the streets that giants of philosophy have walked. We are going to have great food. But also, we are going to have some of the top experts in philosophy, the top experts of Aristotle, and they are going to give us guided tours, so it's going to be a great experience. We are going to be immersed in the atmosphere of Athens, in the atmosphere of Greece, the most beautiful city, obviously, and country in the world. So you're all invited. Put it in your calendars, 7, 8, and 9th of April. So see you in Athens. <laughs> One last sales pitch. You have those things. Uh, we opened a couple of years ago the Ayn Rand membership. I know you're all registered to uh, net, subscribe to Netflix and several other things. I ask you to think about and consider subscribing to ARU and ARI. Uh, those are the monthly programs that we have right now. It comes with a lot of perks during the year of what we will give to anyone who will subscribe to our um, membership. Trade with us. We're trying to create a ton of value with your hard-earned money that you invest in us. We'll continue to do more. And this predictable revenue of, of uh, subscription that comes in every month is priceless for us. It's not just revenue, it's predictable revenue, something we can count on that you don't, you know, maybe get in the end, end of year, year or not. So please think about it. Think how much we're worth to you and do your best. And I want to end with a heartfelt thank you. And I want all of the Ayn Rand Institute employees to stand for a minute, just for a second, all of the employees, and give you a big round of applause, everyone. Those people work tirelessly all year long, and they're doing amazing, an amazing job. I'm, I've never been more inspired and uh, motivated to, uh, you know, I shared in the gala yesterday how 
you know, people ask me, are, are you like this in every job? No, this is the best job I've ever had. I, I said last night that uh, even in the, the, the days where I was growing a company, a startup company in the Silicon Valley, I don't remember myself being so motivated, so focused, so inspired by a mission, and hopefully we'll do it for many years to come. So thank you for supporting us, and we'll see you around. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We, do we have any time for questions? Do we have time for questions? Yes, if you have questions, please go to the microphone and uh, don't be too hard on us, please. Okay, yes. I'm wondering if you can uh, give a general sense of the commitment, like if you wanted to take two courses in a quarter, how much commitment is that, or just one, or how much, so you can schedule what you're doing, and yeah. Yeah, by the way, if, if uh, Jeff and uh, Don and Aaron, if you want to join me, uh, so you can, you mean the, the level of commitment, how many, how many hours a week did, yeah. did it take, exactly. so it really varies according to the courses, some courses have more reading requirements, uh, you know, uh, and some less. Um, I would say I was an auditor in several courses. If you're an auditor and you're not taking it as a graded student, it's really up to you. Because even, and I'll admit, when I, if I didn't do the prior reading and I listen in to the conversation, uh, I always gain something. So it's anywhere, it really depends on you. And some auditors were actually more serious than the average graded student. So if you want to take the course, you can do it with like full commitment of reading everything and doing all the homework. Uh, or, you know, if, if it's just an idea, just, a, sorry, the, uh, the, the subject interests you and you just want to have those discussions, you don't have to do all the homework and all the reading. But essentially, I would say, how many hours in average, would you say? Yeah, on average, about 10 hours per week per course. That's what you can expect yeah. if you're doing, yeah. doing everything. Okay, next. So for, with respect to mentorship, uh, in an intellectual career, you often need multi-year mentorships, not, you know, not just occasional coaching, but you're working with someone all, for a long time, um, and the OEC is a two-year program. How do we see the sort do, is the, the ARU mentorship program meant to start those sort of long-term intellectual mentorships as well, or is it, is it going in a different direction than that? Well, I think the most important context here is that it's no longer a two-year program we're making it possible that you can be a lifelong learner of objectivism. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot to figure out about exactly how the network of mentorship will work, but certainly we recognize that, like, like I said, my own progress was that I got mentorship over years and ultimately you know, more than a decade in one way or another. And so um, that, I think the end game is that students have everything they need to be successful, and then it's a question of how exactly we're gonna execute that over time. Okay, thank you. Hi. This is very exciting. I'm really Thank you. so thrilled. Um, is there, uh, does ARI have any plans for political action? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, let me, let me, I mean, we're not a think tank. We're not a policy organization. We are writing and speaking, uh, you know, as much as we can about politics, about, you see, you know, what we're writing about every week, what we're talking about. So politics, of course. But our mission, I want to remind everyone, it's very important to, to know what we're not doing. 
and we're not going to start a, you know, a unit that goes and fights battles here in Washington, right? And so we're, we're very true to our, our uh, mission and our charter that defines us as a, an educational organization that fo is focused on propagating objectivism through uh, educational activities. And that's what we're doing. I'm coming from the perspective of maybe a high school student or um, a college freshman um, of how would they come to you and say, well, I've got a full slate of classes. Like, would they first come and talk to the mentor program and figure out what the um, curriculum should be with you all? Um, or do they start right away? Or do they start with a reading group first? Like, would they first come to the mentor and say, and they'll say, we'll start with the reading group. Like, what's yeah. the, um, uh, what's the makeup yeah. of what their coursework might be? I, I can answer that. Um, so that would be based off of the, exactly all of these details that you're talking about. Um, now we will have some required content for students to take. So, but the minimum is they would just take one course per quarter. So uh, it might be, that would be the required course. So that's what we would ask of a student, incoming student, if they, if they were met the requirements to, um, to be in the program as a student. If not, we would encourage them to do a reading group with Aaron so they could develop the knowledge to probably enter the following year. Uh, we're also talking about you know, the opportunity maybe in the future of having something like a gap year where if a student is transitioning from high school to college, they're taking the year off, could there be a program where they take as many courses as they can to fill their time so they enter college with the background uh, in all of you know, these disciplines that we've been talking about today? So that, that's what we're aiming for. Thank you. And we're going to be very flexible in the sense of depending who you are and uh, you know, if you're f learning full time somewhere and you want to take one course, great. If you're on a hiatus and you want to take a full, like, like Jeff said, five courses with us in a quarter, will enable that as well. It's, it's really a, a process you know, of counseling that happens before people register to, to air you. I have one more thing to add on that. Yes. Yeah, a lot of these students who are studying RAND on their own in high school and college are already spending more than 10, 12 hours a week just reading and listening to lectures. So if you think of learning alone as providing the baseline amount of time, they're already there. Right. Um. So as part of the internships that you guys have planned, um, working with professionals in other fields, do you have an internship at ARU itself? That, yeah. um, that's, that's basically what we call the junior fellow program. Okay. I mean, uh, everyone that shows potential and they're on their path to become, wanting to become an intellectual and we see that potential, we, uh, we offer uh, what we call a, an internship uh, as a junior fellow and uh, they start working with different levels of activities. Uh, by the way, we made a huge, huge progress this year with the amount and the variety of opportunities for junior fellows to, uh, to train themselves as uh, people who want to focus on inter an intellectual path. And uh, Keith and the team are building uh, a very solid uh, you know, intellectual development process within ARI for our own faculty and our own uh, junior fellows. So yes, there are many opportunities there. And we've grown from two to 20 junior fellows in a span of two something years. And it's, so it's gonna to continue to expand. Okay, there are no more questions. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks for listening to the Ayn Rand Institute Live podcast. 
Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also find us on YouTube. If you like this content, please share or leave us a review. For more information, go to aynrand.org.